Welcome to episode 59 of The Shannon Plan. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined, as always, by Akash. Akash, what is going on? What's up, KP? You forgot to say that it was the Aaron Lynch episode when he said that oh. it was the 59th episode. You had an opportunity there, and you just you didn't take it. But what's up, man? Niners handed their first loss on Sunday, on Sunday Night Football in the 94 Red Throwbacks. Um, it was a fantastic game, I thought, even though the 49ers ended up on the losing end of it. Those jerseys are clean, man. I, I'm they a are. fan of those red throwbacks. Um, they even look better on the rewatch. Speaking of Aaron Lynch, not to go on a tangent, I thought he was going to be a superstar. I thought he was going to be so good. And I thought he was going to be even better in the NFL. As it turns out, that was not correct. Um, all right, let's talk about the game because it was a very good game. 49ers got down 17 to nothing, but it never really felt like they were out of the game because of they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. So let's start on the offensive side of the ball, where that happened. Akash, why is it so freaking hard to move the ball this year? I think that's kind of the biggest takeaway where we're used to seeing these explosive plays, these shot plays down the field, these big running lanes, and none of that is happening this year. I think it's not just one person's fault. It's, I mean, you can point the finger all over the place. You have to talk about Kyle Shanahan. You have to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. But again, it you can just point to multiple people on that side of the ball. But what what do you think? Why is it so much of a struggle for them to get going? This just isn't like you, me, or people that really follow the Niners closely, you know, that think this. Uh, my mom texted me uh, like Monday morning after the game, and she was like, what's going on with this offense? He's like, Kyle Shanahan usually does a good job of dialing up plays, and there's usually like a rhyme or reason for what they do. It's usually like you run left, right. You know, there's like there's like a rhythm to it, right? It's like a boxer that like has like a jab, right, jab, left. There's always this rhythm to it. Yet on Sunday, it just felt like they couldn't get off the ground. I think before we hit record, you said they had like 27 net yards on like 27 plays or something, which is I think you'd have to try to do something like that. <laughs> and uh, they just struggled out of the gate. I think they came out, they had a couple of punts, then they had the you know Jimmy Garoppolo interception, which. Kyle Shanahan said wasn't necessarily his fault. Just a great play by Jair Alexander. Um, but it's one of those things where their offense just, it just seemed very like lackluster, which is hard to believe considering how much talent they have on that side of the ball. Uh, whether it be the offensive line, whether it be, you know, a healthy Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. I get their running back situations a little uh, sketch right now with all the injuries, but they've got enough receiving talent. And, you know, the offensive line, while they didn't play particularly well on Sunday compared to the first two weeks, they've, they've been good enough to the point where the 49ers shouldn't struggle moving the ball. And, you know, just some advanced stats for how Jimmy Garoppolo's played in the first quarters this season. His EPA and CPOE composite is 31st out of 32 quarterbacks, success rate 32nd, and air yards 29th. And most of those stats, he's right next to Zach Wilson. And if you're in the neighborhood of Zach Wilson on any offensive you know, statistic, it is not good. Um, I don't know. They've just they haven't ran the ball particularly well. Um, you know, defenses have been just loading the box, whether it be having, you know, lining up safeties closer to the line of scrimmage or, you know, just selling out to stop the run because there hasn't been much of a threat, a downfield threat uh, in this passing attack. And it's all tied together. And now Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel have to go back to the drawing board uh, to be able to fix whatever's going on with this offense. But do you think it's a fixable problem? given who's under center right now or is it is it like a personnel thing is it a scheme thing what do you think so i think the packers did a good job of 
throwing the 49ers off of their game plan. So they took two of their big edge rushers and made sure that the 49ers were not going to run the ball outside, sort of dared the 49ers to run the ball inside, and they really didn't. The few times that they did, they actually had a little bit of a success, but that's really not in their game plan to call that. So by doing so, you take away essentially half of Kyle Shanahan's offense because what does he want to do? He wants to run outside zone, and he wants to run play action, boot week off of that. By putting your edge rushers outside, you take away the boot week and you take away the strong running game to the outside. So uh, the Fortnite didn't really have a counter to that. There was a few plays where they tried to run, like they ran a counter to George Kittle or they ran a reverse to try to get outside. Like those work, but those aren't plays you're going to be able to run series in and series out. So I think this is a scenario where you give the Packers credit, but knowing that that's going to be on film, knowing that other teams are probably going to try to do that and stop you, uh, it will be tough because they are going to have to come up with just different ways to get the ball down the field. They got to find a way to get the running game going, man, just because this offense is not built for Jimmy Garoppolo to drop back 40 times and throw the ball. Like sure. There were possessions in series where they had success, but it's just so tough, man. Everything's like fighting tooth and nail to get 10 yards. And by the time they reach midfield, it's usually like five minutes in the drive because it's taken so much out of them. And yeah, it's great that you're giving, you know, you're keeping the other team off of the field, but it's such a struggle to get to where they need to be. Uh, there's no explosive plays. And to be fair, I don't think the receivers did a good job of getting open this game. Uh, there are way too many plays where, you know, whether it's Brandon, whether it's Debo Samuel, whether it's Muhammad Sanu, um, first of all, where was Trent Shurfield this game? Because he played like three snaps and he went from being an all-star in training camp. And Kyle Shanahan said, he was better than Brandon Ayuk, or he deserved these snaps early in the game. And all of a sudden, he's three snaps in your home opener against a playoff team. Uh, shocker, Kyle Shanahan lied to us. But anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, the running game, you were talking about 21 carries, like 67 yards, I think. A little over like three yards per carry. And most of those came on George Kittle's like the counter player. Right? I think he got nine yards on that. You take that away, they weren't even at running at three yards per clip. So take that away had- and then... Take yeah. Sermon's other uh, – Sermon <laughs> had like a 14 or 16-yard run. So without those two, it's like two yards per pot, man. Yeah, that's that's just not going to cut it. Um, and like you mentioned, this offense just isn't built to have Jimmy Garoppolo drop back and, you know, uh, pass the ball 30, 40 times. They're just not going to have success that way. Uh, we hit on this last season um, where a lot of the times offensive players would come up to the podium post-game George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, whoever it may be, and say that, you know, the defense put out a really good game plan to stop our rushing attack. And we kind of caught on to that a little bit. And there was a similar theme on Sunday night where both, I think Juszczyk and Kittle both said that Packers came up with a good defensive game plan to stop our rushing attack. Just like you mentioned, they put their ends outside. Is that cause for concern that you keep, that Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel might be getting out-schemed in some of these games offensively? So I think for sure that they were out coached. There's no way around that. But I wouldn't say it's a cause for concern. I just don't think that they were ready for that wrinkle because George Kittle said as much. He said he called it a double edge and he said, yeah, we weren't really expecting that. And that happened on the first series of the game. So you kind of have to scratch your entire game plan when they do that. I don't think it is a cause for concern because they do have a lot of good players on that side of the ball. And their Jimmys and Joes are going to be a lot or they're going to be better than a lot of teams. And they're not going to face Aaron Rodgers every week. So there's not going to be, you know, um, the struggle to have to get to 30 points to win. And I expect that there will be, you know, just a different outlook on the offense. So we have to talk about Trey Lance. He's played, what, five snaps all year. Sounds um, about right. Two snaps on Sunday. 
yep, the 49ers aren't getting much, uh, much out of the rookie class at all. But when we talk about the running game, we talk about the injuries at running back. It seems like it would be a good opportunity to use Lance in that scenario. So, yes, everybody in the stadium would probably know that Lance is going to run the ball. But as we've seen, that doesn't matter because you have an extra man and he's just going to be bigger and faster than everybody else. Um, it might not be a situation where he's getting, you know, those explosive plays down the field. But if he's if he's getting giving you anything more than what your running game currently is getting, then it's going to be a positive because um, they have to figure it out. And Trey Sermon's just not doing it right now. I don't think he's dancing. I don't think he's, you know, being passive. It's just he's not getting downhill. And he's he doesn't have the same burst, he doesn't have the same speed as the other running backs that we're used to seeing. And that's showing up. So the 49ers, when they do have these explosive running plays, it's essentially just because Raheem Mostert's faster than everybody else. That is no longer here, and that has been a problem. I thought it was interesting. Chris Collinsworth mentioned this on the broadcast. One of the coaches must have told him, maybe it was a running back coach or Kyle Shanahan or whatever in the production meetings, that uh, the 49ers coaching staff have been trying to change Trey Sermon's running style. He mentioned that, you know, coming out of Ohio State, he was this, like, you know, uh, a player that would like to cut and dance a little bit in the backfield before like making his move. And the 49ers have been trying to make him a one cut and go type player. And so maybe that's providing us with some light into why the 49ers kind of slow played Trey Sermon. Maybe that's why he was inactive week one. And, um, and also he hasn't necessarily played until all these injuries have come about. And that was kind of visible right on Sunday that sometimes he would, dance a little bit and, and wait for a hole to ho- open up. Whereas a typical Kyle Shanahan running back you've seen in the past has been just a North and South runner. Um, so I thought that was interesting that Collinsworth mentioned that on the broadcast. How do you trade up for a running back and not know his running style? How is that that's a problem? That yeah, is that, that's probably unbelievable to say, but at least they're aware of it. At least they're trying to fix it, but we shouldn't be in this scenario where, you know, it's a surprise that, Oh, Crap, he does like to dance. Well, you should have studied him. You should have known that. And you shouldn't have traded up for him. But anyway, I, I do think Sermon will be able to figure it out if he does get downhill, just because the holes are there for him. And he does run hard. There were a few plays, though, where you mentioned, like, he he does tend to go side to side. He does. He wants to dance. You can, you can tell it's in him that he wants to shake somebody so bad, but he doesn't have to. But I don't know. I don't know if Lance is going to be the answer in the running game. People want him to play quarterback, and I imagine why, based on the things that Jimmy Garoppolo is doing. So I thought Sunday was the best and the worst of Jimmy, where there are plays where he's not seeing the field. There are plays where he's throwing hospital balls. There are plays where he's turning the ball over. Then there are plays where he's putting the ball right in the money, throwing with anticipation, and then giving his guys a chance to make a play and avoiding sacks. It's always the story of Jimmy Garoppolo right there. Yeah, it's always either all or nothing with him. It seems like it's, it doesn't ever seem like it's any there's a, there are any consistencies. It doesn't seem like, you know, there's any in between. There's any level headed type of plays. And that's a problem, right? Because they need consistency. They, they can't afford to keep getting out of the gate so slow on offense, because as we saw, when you play a good team, it's going to come back to bite you in the butt, man. What do you what do you think? Are so are we going to see a quarterback change anytime soon? Because that's what people want to know. When is Trey Lance going to play? Will he ever play? And how long of a leash does Jimmy have? Because if, I mean, if he keeps making these type of mistakes, uh, the, I believe PFF had the turnover worthy throws where it's all, it's only like all rookies behind him when it comes to turnover worthy throws. And then the lack of big plays, 
Um, if you're going to turn the ball over, you have to be able to make up for that in another area. And at this time, I'm not sure that Jimmy is. What do you think? The inconsistencies that you mentioned is kind of what we've been talking to for a while, right? A lot of people said, you know, health is kind of the biggest concern with Jimmy Garoppolo. But if he's on the field, the team wins. That's all that matters. And it feels like this season, because the defense hasn't been like at a 2019 level, the expectation of Jimmy Garoppolo has been a little higher because he's having to pick up the slack a little bit more on the offensive side. And I feel like as the season goes on and as they play better competition, that might get exposed a little bit. But it's exactly what you hit on. There's certain plays where you watch them and you're like, man, that's just fantastic. You just need more of that, right? Whether it was the touchdown throw to Brandon Ayuk, um, where he was on like the swirl route, the ball came out early. There was like a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo's face. He threw it with anticipation before Ayuk even came out of the break. The throw was a little wide, but Ayuk was able to make the play and ended up as a touchdown. And then there's plays like the interception where – Sure, it may not be his fault, but it feels like when he launches the ball, he's just letting it fly and not necessarily like, okay, I'm going to hit George Kittle, right? He's thinking, I don't see a safety behind George Kittle, so let me just throw it as far as I can. And the worst thing that happens is that it's incomplete. Not necessarily that he's, you know, throwing with that kind of accuracy down the field. Um, and it's just it's just the inconsistencies, right? Last week against the Eagles, it was all those misses, you know, wide, um, early in the game that kind of cost them early and then they were able to make up for it as the game went on and win the game but like you hit on against better competition you're you're just not going to be able to afford to have these slow starts you can't you know gift the other team 17 points and then expect to come back and yeah they took the lead and you know I was thinking about this a lot of that was because of Cannon's like kickoff return right they, they had an extremely short field for that last touchdown drive and say that you know, return doesn't happen. They have to go the full length of the field. They probably don't score before the half, but they don't get seven points at least, and this game looks entirely different maybe. So just just maddening with him that, you know, that we're in year four, right, of uh, Garoppolo in San Francisco, and still you just have these inconsistencies um, where it's just such a roller coaster, right? You, you can live with the, um, you know, the mistakes if he's able to make up for it with a downfield vertical passing threat or whatever. But there's just not enough big-time plays to offset the turnover, turnover-worthy plays. And that's kind of the problem that Kyle Shanahan's in right now. I think he has a veteran quarterback that, you know, like we said, is inconsistent. And then he's got a young rookie quarterback that I don't think he trusts fully yet to operate the offense for whatever reason. Because otherwise, Trey Lance would be playing more. And so now he's in a tough predicament. He's got these two guys that he doesn't necessarily 100% believe in. And the team's good enough to compete. And it just feels like the quarterback position right now is holding them back. Yeah, and I think just talking about the interception, that was an issue all game where the other defender from another side is coming over to make a play. So if that was a one-off, then I'd be like, yeah, great play by Jair Alexander. But that happened like three or four other times where you know his receiver was either hit, uh, took a big hit, or the defender you know had an opportunity for an interception. Like he could have easily thrown uh, three interceptions in this game, but. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going to change. I don't know what they're going to do to fix it, but I do want to see because Seattle is not a good defense, man. And if they can't move the ball against Seattle, then there are big problems. But at the same time, Green Bay wasn't a good defense. Green Bay started a rookie cornerback in his first game, and the 49ers receivers struggled against him. Like, he won the matchups against Debo and Brandon Ayuk. And um, just talking about that last drive for the first half, it took them six plays to punch it in down there. Like they had to bring in Trey Lance because of that. And sure, Brennan, you did drop a pass. That should have been a touchdown. And 
the play before that, uh, they were him and Jimmy Ron weren't on the same page, and there was an incomplete pass. So it, it's always either his fault or his fault. It's never um, the, the consistency is just lacking sorely, and that has to be changed. So uh, we will see. Uh, who do you think performed the best on offense? Because we did talk about the dudes, and to be fair, there were a lot of good plays. Uh, Debo Samuel made plays. George Kittle made plays. Obviously, Trent Williams slingshotted a cornerback on that touchdown run from Trey Lance. Uh, who who stood out to you? Who's your MVP on offense? MVP on offense, I think, would be Debo Samuel. Um, I think he's probably still been the best player on offense um, through three games. I think he, he's now second in receiving behind Cooper Cup. Um, and he really showed up in a big-time way in the second half of that game, making contested catches time and time again. Um, it felt like either Debo was going to catch it or Debo was going to be in the hospital because those were the type of balls that Jimmy Garoppolo was throwing. And somehow he came down with like every one of those. Uh, some of the other names that you mentioned, Trent Williams, I thought he had the huge block uh, to free Trey Lance up for that touchdown. But he also had the blown block where I think he like helped double team a player and that gave maybe it was Preston Smith, I think, like the free rush off the edge. And he blew up Jimmy Garoppolo on a play. And I think Kyle Shanahan said that was Trent Williams' fault. Um, other than that, I thought Kyle Juszczyk played pretty well. He had a huge uh, impact on this game. And with just the running back injuries, it seems like he's taking on a bigger role because um, it seems like Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel really trust him over some of the other guys that are up. Um, George Kittle uh, had a huge play in that in that final drive, and that was you know vintage George Kittle. But it just seems like this this team has a ton of weapons on offense, yet it just they can't seem to put it all together uh, for 60 minutes, which is unfortunate because if they were, then this offense would be, we thought, unstoppable, just given who's coordinating it, uh, who they have, you know, as receivers and, and tight ends and et cetera. So just been unfortunate. Who would you say was uh, the best performer on Sunday? Yeah, Debo's a baller, man. Debo plays with his hair on fire. He plays just tough. So I love the way that he kind of runs through guys. Like he's never looking to run out of bounds. But we're starting to see like receiver things from him. We're starting to see him get open as a receiver. We're starting to see him, you know, win with his hands. Remember during the summer, I said that I don't know that he could catch. He should slap me now because that could not be more wrong. <laughs> he's making play after play after play. This has been a, a really pleasant development for the 49ers, I feel like to get Debo playing at this level because we're starting to see how you come around. First off, uh, I want to just go on a tangent here. I, you cannot tell me that, quote-unquote, benching Brandon Ayuk because I don't care what they say. It was a benching. Um, for blocking, did not pay off because he was playing his tail off this game. He had a couple plays where he's blocking a linebacker down the field, and it really, it really helps. I think that's going to change his mentality. Yes, he did drop a pass, but I just think overall as a player – that's going to like Kyle Shanahan challenge challenging Brandon Ayuk made him a better player. And we're already starting to see those returns. He's done that to a few other receivers in this, in this offense, man, if you don't block, you can't play just because they ask you to go over the middle block safeties, block linebackers. Like you're condensed into the formation. You can't be soft and um, you can't afford to take plays off. So kudos to Ayuk, kudos to Debo for blocking, but yeah, it has to be Debo just, with some of the plays that he came up with, like he's doing these on third downs too. And I think that's um, important as well. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the other side of the ball. All right. So when you see 30 points, you automatically assume that the 49ers got their butt kicked and that there was pretty much, you know, they gave up every play. They didn't do anything right. And that's how the game went. 
when I rewatched the game, I came away thinking, damn, like they played really well. And that sounds silly, but at, at some point you just have to tip your cap. Jimmy G said the same after the game. And after rewatching it, it's just like Rogers, holy hell, man. Um, he put some of these passes in places where there's not anything that you could do. Like prime Deion Sanders would have a hard time breaking up some of the passes that Rogers was throwing. Um, We're talking layered 25 yards throws down the field where it's just over Fred Warner's like outstretched fingertips. Yet it's, you know, uh, what like right in the hands of Adams or whoever the receiver was on the touchdown. So it was 17 to 14 third down in the red zone in the fourth quarter. The touchdown that Lenore gave up that Marquez Valdez scanning cost caught easy for me to say. Uh, he said that that was the best throw that he's ever caught in his career. There were probably four or five throws from Rodgers where just like you just throw your hands up. Like there's nothing that you can do there. So I don't really blame the 49ers for that. I don't blame D'Amico Ryans. People are complaining you know, that D'Amico Ryans is playing this vanilla type of defense. That's not true. Like he was disguising. He was moving guys around. He wasn't just playing zone. He wasn't just playing man. He had he had a change up that he thought would work where he tried to drop eight people in coverage. Did not work at all. And good for him. For scrapping that. So I believe Rodgers was uh, two for two on those two plays for like 61 yards, but he went away with it and he did not come back to it. So he was learning on the fly. You have to remember this is his third game. And overall, I felt like the 49ers did a really good job. They made a ton of plays, but Rodgers was just right on those four or five plays. And that was the difference in the ballgame. What'd you, what'd you see? I would add that Robert Sala had what three seasons as a defensive coordinator before that 2019 season where they really took off. And I feel like it's unfair that people are expecting the same of D'Amico Ryans, who's in his third game as a defensive coordinator. So there's going to be growing pains, right? He's not going to have, you know, perfect calls in every play. Um, And even if he does have the right call, you know, they've got enough rookies or inexperienced players out there that, you know, it's all about execution after the coordinator makes the call. And if Lenore, who we thought screwed up on that touchdown to Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantling, right, he... He was guarding grass, if I'm not mistaken, right? He was supposed to drop back towards the end zone, but he was kind of in no man's land. So those kind of things look bad on Ryan's because I think if you're the if you're a fan watching, you're like, ah, oh, man, how is this receiver just open? Or how is Devontae Adams open twice on the final drive? Like, why don't they double him or whatever the case is? And uh, you got to remember that it comes down to execution as well. And when, you know, defenders make mistakes, it just it reflects poorly on Ryan's, but uh likewise i think he's been he hasn't been the problem through three weeks and like i said you got to cut him some slack it's it's literally his third game uh calling plays and so there's going to be growing pains there and i think we hit on that this offseason right that's going to be that was a change um within the 49ers and i think so far it's been okay uh even though the defense just quite hasn't been uh up to you know their level of standard over the past few years yeah and people are complaining about you know the pass rush has to get home there is not much that they could do when Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball under under two. And so I'm timing these plays. The first play, the big play, 1.8. After that, 1.6. The two back shoulder throws, 1.56 and 1.72. In what world are you expecting a defensive lineman to win there? And to be fair, Bosa and Armstead, they beat them in on, on a few of those plays, on a couple of those plays. And by the time that they were, you know, approaching Rodgers, the ball was already out of his hands, man. So this, again, this just goes back to like a hat tip. The Packers were just better 
on those few plays than the 49ers were. I thought the 49ers did a good job of fighting till the end. I thought they did a good job of holding and limiting the Packers overall. But, I mean, when Rodgers is playing at the level that he was playing, you have to be perfect, and the 49ers were not, man. He just went God mode despite Ryan's, you know, designing, doing everything he could. And, yeah, there's just really not much you can do. So the 49ers have a cornerback problem. Just injuries are still mounting up. Josh Norman has bruised lungs. Well, two, not one, uh, two bruised lungs, was coughing up blood, reportedly is going to play Sunday. But I will believe that when I see it just because, you know, based on everything that Ian Rappaport had in that tweet, it doesn't sound like any normal human would be able to go back to their jobs, their office jobs. And Josh Norman does not have an office job. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he's going to miss some time in his absence. So actually, K1 Williams, another guy. Uh, he, I think he only played like four snaps. Um, apparently, when he had to run deep, wasn't ready for that and has a strain. So Buster Screen, 32-year-old Buster Screen, is going to be the slot cornerback. Now, I imagine uh, if Norman does miss, we're looking at Dante Johnson and Dre Kirkpatrick. So I don't know if, if it's an indictment on Kirkpatrick that he was inactive or just that he's still fresh and they knew that he wasn't going to play special teams. But I will say Emmanuel Mosley played very well. I will also say he probably should have been shadowing Devontae Adams. That's a whole other conversation. But um, having Mosley out there will be nice. Depending on what they do with Lenore, whether he wants they want to play him inside or outside, will probably depend on who plays, whether that's Green or Kirkpatrick. Uh, Richard Sherman, who was courted by the 49ers, and he actually said that they had sh- strong interest. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch both were talking to him. But he's with Tampa Bay now. Essentially, uh, I imagine it's like, hey, do you want to play with me, Tom Brady, or anybody else? And Richard Sherman did the smart thing and chose the guy who has been winning rings time and time and time again. I would do the same. What is going to happen with the 49ers cornerback room? What do you think happens? Are we going to see them continue to sign more guys? Um, Because if you remember, they did draft two. And one of these cornerbacks has been a healthy scratch the last two weeks and did not see the field until there were injuries in the first game. On the cornerback situation, it feels like the same people that are saying that, hey, the, the 49ers front office was able to you keep Jimmy Garoppolo's $26 million cap it and re-sign everybody. It's the same group of people that are now complaining that they don't have any healthy corners on the team. Like You can't you talk out of both, side of both sides of your mouth now, right? They had that extra cap space in the offseason. They could have improved the pass rush. Speaking of Samson Ebukam, who was their prized offseason signing, has been like non-existent so far, yet no one wants to talk about it. And then now the, like that. Um, yeah, and then you know, in the cornerback room, the the injuries are just piled up. But what do you expect? You signed, you know, you re-signed Kwan Williams, who was over 30. You signed Jason Verrett, who's had injury his history in the past. Now both those guys are out. Uh and then yeah, I I appreciate that you drafted, you know, uh, young guys. You drafted, you know, Ambry Thompson, Diamondor, Lenore. Yeah, one guy hasn't played yet uh, in the first three weeks, and um, and then the other guy who who is who has played well, but is just an inexperienced rookie, right? And he's going to have his fair share of rookie mistakes, and is going to give up plays, etc. And now you're in the bargain bin, signing Drake Kirkpatrick and Josh Norman and Buster Screen. And guys, you know, that are available in August and September for a reason uh, because of their decline in play or whatever. And now you're you're hoping that Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, and the rest of this pass rush is able to kind of hide 
um, this weak secondary. And their first test as kind of a new unit is against Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson, and, you know, the rest of that receiving group uh, for Seattle, um, who's looked, you know, pretty good so far this season, uh, offensively at least. And so just tough. I, uh, again, a lot of people are complaining about it, and and I understand the frustration with just the injuries and stuff, but I it's not a problem that's going to be solved this season, right? They're not going to magically uh, add someone this, you know, uh, that's going to fix all their problems in the secondary. It's going to have to be via scheme. It's going to be half, you know, it's going to have to be a team solution and they're just going to have, pl- uh, you know, drives and plays that they give up just because the secondary isn't as good as it was in uh, years past. Essentially it does come down to the pass rush saving the day because that's how the off season went. They invested in the pass rush to protect the secondary. And we will see if that pays off. I don't want to write them off. Well, to be, to be fair, the Packers just played really well. They did. The sky's the sky's not falling. The season is not over. The 49ers are still two and one. And if they win these next two games, that will matter far more than beating the Packers, just because it is a divisional game. Divisional. So let's yep. talk. Let's talk about the Seahawks. What What do you think will happen? Because it will be a tough matchup. Their defense, I do not believe, is good. Their offense, I do believe, is. Um, and which means. The 49ers are going to have to put up points. And we talked about the Packers not being a good defense last week, and it took way too long to get going. So um, can't afford a slow start, not against Russell Wilson, not against that the firepower that they have. I do think the 49ers defense will be able to have more success than they did last week, just because I don't imagine uh, 5'8 Russell Wilson being able to throw the ball so quickly because he cannot see over the line, and that will impede what he's able to do. Still, they're going to have to get stops. And if they do not, that turns us back to the offense. So uh, do you think the, the 49ers offense will get it going against the Seahawks? Because they are at home. True. I The Seahawks defense has been has been brutal. I mean, I don't know if you watched any of that uh, Vikings-Seattle game, but uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, Jefferson, Adam Thielen, they were hitting bombs down the field. And I thought Kirk Cousins sucked. <laughs> uh, I... I, I heard this somewhere else, but I'm pretty sure Kyle Shanahan's going to watch the Viking Seahawks tape and he's going to wish he had cousins for this game because he looked really, really good in that game. Um, just hitting plays down the field, which just hasn't happened for this 49ers offense. And uh, I saw this on ESPN. I think Mina, Mina Kimes was talking about it. Um, when Seattle puts out five defensive backs on the field, so they're in, you know, um, more of a heavy, you know, pass defense type set. Uh, I think they're like the third worst defense uh, per EPA per play. They were in the neighborhood of like Washington and Jacksonville. So n- no, no good. Right. And I think that's sort of the way to uh, beat them this week. So it's going to come on, you know, it's going to cut fall on Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulders. Um, and let's see what happens. We thought last season the game up in Seattle that you and I uh, covered. Um, we thought that the path to uh, beating Seattle was again, scoring a ton of points because that their defense wasn't as good at that stage of the season, and yet the 49ers struggled offensively big time that game. And I get different team. They've got a bunch of their playmakers back, whatever. But the offense is going to have to put up points because I don't think the defense is going to be able to slow down Russell Wilson in that offense um, just because they've been able to put up points in bunches. And now you add in the issues at corner, and I think they're going to hit some huge plays down the field, whether it's Metcalf or Lockett. And it could get, you know, ugly from that standpoint. And the 49ers offense is going to have to keep up because otherwise this could be a long game. And I think Javi 
uh, who's another podcast host on this network, tweeted this out. He said, I think Russell Wilson in Seattle hasn't lost three straight ever. And Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan haven't lost two straight ever. So something's got to give uh, on Sunday afternoon. And and huge game for the 49ers. They can't drop two straight, especially with uh, going into a game against Arizona the week after. So big stretch of the season right here. And um, it feels kind of like must-win territory, even though it's only like, whatever, week four, week five. But what, what do you think happens or what do you think needs to happen for the 49ers offense to get going? You definitely don't want to get behind the eight ball. I, I don't, must win feels like a stretch, but getting going two and two, knowing that now the next time around against Seattle, that's a must win. The next time against the Rams, that's a win. The Cardinals, like those would be must win. So you, you want to win every game, obviously, but divisional games just have so much more pressure, especially now that there's only one uh, by week. So on offense, again, I really think it comes out down to figuring out what you can do to get ahead of the chains early. Generally, the 49ers do that by running the ball. They've not been able to run the ball. So do you just hope like Elijah Mitchell is healthy and you feel because his speed will make a difference getting through those holes? Um, Debo Samuel had a carry on the 10-yard line. Kyle Juszczyk was a goal line back. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk was the third down back. Something is up with Trey Sermon. We know it is. You touched on that. and I didn't hear that. Um, when Chris Collinsworth said that, and it's, it's a very fair, valid point. Uh, I wonder how long Trey Sermon's leash will be if they're going to just yank him after last week and, you know, get somebody else in there, whether it's uh, Jack West Patrick, you know, one of the new running backs that they did sign. We will see. But I don't mind the quick hitting offense, the passing plays where Jimmy's, you know, getting involved this quick, like we saw in the first drive where it's this to Kittle, uh, this to Ayuk. But the problem is when the safeties are playing at 10 yards, those passing plays become like inept because there's nowhere to go. Eventually uh, everybody just shrinks the field and there's nowhere to go with the ball. So they're going to have to stretch the field. I feel like they should take more shots, even if it's on first down, just to loosen up the defense. That'll go a long way, but their receivers are going to have to get open. That's for sure. And, and that didn't happen. I think they will be able to against Seattle. Um, DJ Reed was getting cooked by Jordan, uh, Justin Jefferson, man. And he was, I don't, I don't know if Ayuk or Samuel are on his level as a route runner, but just as athletically, they should be able to get open against him. I don't even know who their other starting corners. I forget his name. Trey I know Flowers. they traded Trey Flowers. There we go. Who's not good. Don't have to pretend like he is. Um, they Yeah, the secondary is where they really should take advantage. The, the Seahawks do have good linebackers. They don't have a pass rush, too. So that should go a long way for the 49ers offense as far as being able to do what they want in the drop back game. I will be interested to see what Seattle does if they try to take away the 49ers play action boot game in the same way Green Bay did. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know what to expect from the offense just because I don't know what Jimmy G is going to do. And if if you're getting mad about that, watch every game ever <laughs> because you, do, you don't know what's going to happen. It can be very good at times. And then the very next series, he's going to throw it away. In the very next series, you're going to drive down the field and score. I don't know, man. It's a coin flip, and that terrifies me going into divisional games. So I think that they <laughs> should win. I think that they will win. But the fact that you know the, they are consistently inconsistent terrifies me. I think the, the best way to describe it, uh, and you saw this on Sunday, when Aaron Rodgers dropped back and he threw the ball and the ball goes off the screen, you're like, oh, 17 is going to be at the end of it. It's going to be a huge completion, whatever. And yet when 10, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo drops back and he throws it, you gasp. You, you hold your breath when the ball goes off the screen because it could be a pick. It could be a wide throw. It could be a hospital ball. You just don't know. 
And I think that's just been the maddening part with Garoppolo. Because I think a lot of people think that we just think he stinks. And that's not the case, right? He makes a ton of plays. He has these drives where he's able to put the team on his back and move them down the field, whatever. Uh, he had potentially the game-winning drive down the field um, until you know Aaron Rodgers went God mode. But it's just the inconsistencies for a team that should be really good is just they just can't afford that. They can't afford the slow starts. They can't afford drives where they just continually go three and out. Um, and then they find themselves in a hole and against better competition, right? Not the Eagles, not the Lions. Uh, that just is going to come back to bite you in the ass more often than not. And that's kind of what happened on Sunday. And hopefully that isn't the case because they've got Seattle, they've got Arizona, and then they've got, I think, like Indy. And they've, they've got good teams on their schedule and they just can't continually um, afford to put themselves in a hole offensively. Before we get out of here, let's talk about Kyle Shanahan because I don't think he's getting enough blame. I don't think he knows clock management at all. I don't think he understands that there is a game clock or a play clock. Um, the touchdown where they snapped the ball with 12 seconds, that feels like a Jimmy issue just because you've been in the league for a long time. You uh, played behind this guy named Tom Brady who knows a thing or two about that. So if the 49ers in that scenario were to snap the ball with five, six, seven seconds, that is game right there just because the Packers aren't able to get up and spike the ball. But Hunting the ball on fourth down is at midfield. <sighs> I, is- I saw, I, I saw not to cut you off. I saw Ben Baldwin tweet out the graph where it was, I think, like the the uh, most uh, like points lost on fourth down calls by kicking for it instead of going for it. And I think the 49ers lead that category, which is not good. <laughs> I'm sure um, they do. <laughs> yeah, and you know when he was hired, Kyle Shanahan was this aggressive guy with Atlanta was. Um, was known to be, you know, not so conservative yet as a head coach with the 49ers consistently on fourth down situations. Uh, it's just been mind-boggling uh, some of the decisions he's had. And I think his ex- his excuse or his response on Monday was that he thought that they lost a yard and a half. And I'm so not sure bad. what's more inexcusable. The fact that, hey, you're the head coach and the offensive play caller, and you thought that they lost a yard and a half on a play where, you know, they spotted the ball basically at the same spot. And or the fact that you just chose not to go for it, especially in that spot. And, you know, a couple of plays later, they punted and then Aaron Rodgers, you know, was basically past the point of where the ball was at within like two plays. And that's usually what happens when you punt from, you know, plus Seriously. territory. And it's just weird. They just consistently are making these weird like game management decisions. And you mentioned, you know, the last drive where they could have wiped down more clock. A lot of people unfairly blaming Kyle Juszczyk for scoring. When you have the opportunity to score, you score. You don't ever go down at the one. Um, He's a human, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many times does Kyle Juszczyk have the opportunity to score a potentially game-winning touchdown? And a lot of people are like, yeah, you should have gone down at the one. That's not what you're thinking in that moment. You're thinking score, and then you figure out the rest later. The only times when people go down is, you know, usually when you need like a field goal to win. Right. And then they go down, and then they bring out the kicker, and they wind the clock down, whatever. But that wasn't the case. Um, I saw someone else bring up a great, uh, good point. Uh, on the ensuing kickoff, why didn't they kick the ball like inside the end zone, which would have forced a return, maybe wiped off some oh, clock, like squib, maybe it? like squib it or something like that, right? Why did they like, just kick it out of the end zone? And I thought that was a pretty good point. But that again, all all these little game management things, and yeah, I thought Kyle Shanahan's been pretty pretty underwhelming so far this season, just with his management of the whole Brandon Ayuk Trent Shurfield situation, just some of his uh, play calling, game planning. 
especially on Sunday where they looked like they were out schemed, out coached. Just some of the in-game management stuff, uh, the whole two quarterback thing with Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, not really playing as much. I don't know. It's just been a weird season so far. And you and I stand for Kyle, Kyle as much as anybody else. And it's just been just been weird, especially to watch Sean McVay and Matt Stafford just kick everyone's butt. And I then know, Kyle hurting. Shanahan just struggle. That that really hurts. And I'm sure I'm sure it's hurting Kyle. And uh, especially to see his two buddies, right? Matt LaFleur with Aaron Rodgers, Sean McVay with Matt Stafford. And he's just, he's got these two quarterbacks and he's just struggling. On this punt, Kyle Shanahan walks up to the line of scrimmage. He's looking at it to see where the ball is placed. There is no way that he thought that they lost a yard on that play because he's eyeing the line of scrimmage. That's where he lines up. Um, He said that he should have trusted his gut. Just use your common sense, man. What are the odds that the Packers don't get to midfield? Because they had every drive before that. What are the odds that you get back to midfield because you hadn't every drive before that? Um, probability, math, all ties into the game. And I was so mad at him. I called him Mark Tressman with Yeezys on uh, after the game just because he's just dropping the ball left and right outside of play calling. And even the play calling wasn't great, but he, for whatever reason – He's struggling on the the other aspects of coaching, like the admin part of coaching, where you mentioned you have to be able to manage players. Some players are going to respond. Some players aren't. You have to be able to adjust your style of coaching. It doesn't always have to be my way. It's not one size fits all. Yeah, seriously. That's not how coaching works. And that's why guys like McVay are having success. Um, But yeah, it, it does always come back to the game clock and the management. There are plenty of coaches that do struggle with this, but it, I don't know if it's to the level of Shanahan because it seems like it's every game where just even letting the clock run and not taking a timeout to get the ball back for your offense. Like if you don't trust your quarterback, then get a new quarterback in there. But um, time and time again, it seems like he's dropping the ball. And even some of the best coaches in the league, like Andy Reid struggled with clock management for a long time. And, you know, I think those things come with experience, but it's just tough because it's hard to figure out, like, does he not trust Jimmy Garoppolo? So he's like, He's being more conservative, or is just he just doesn't understand this? It's it's hard, right? Because you're trying to decipher why. And typically, Kyle's on the more like stubborn side. And I was surprised to see him almost admit fault with the whole fourth down punt situation. But you were right. You were right. He he walks up to the line of scrimmage and he's staring down where they're placing the ball. Yep, he's looking. Yeah, he's looking to the side and he's seeing where they're putting the ball. And then he brings out the punt team, where I think unanimously everyone thought that they were going to go for it, considering they were down whatever, I think 10-0 at that point. And uh, it was in the second quarter. The offense needed a spark. They were they had a drive where they had a couple plays, and then next thing you know, they're punting. And uh, luckily, the MVP, Mitch Wisnowski, uh, was able to punt <laughs> that ball away. He, he might be the Seriously. best. He might be the most improved player on this team. Underrated. No, he, he, he actually is punting the ball very well. Um, so kudos to him. But the fact that we have to talk about a punter, uh, we should never be talking about a punter. Especially from the 50-yard line. So uh, <laughs> right, that's right. Uh, that's unfortunate. But uh, any anything else you want to hit on? Maybe a game prediction for uh, Seattle, San Francisco this week? I know it's only Wednesday, but... No, no, we, 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 we can turn the page. Because again, like why they did lo- while they did lose, you know, there, was, there were plenty of positive things to take away from that game. And I think I came away thinking that I was more inspired by the defense. And I think that's going to be sustainable moving forward. You would think that the offense figures it out based on who they have calling the plays, the players that are on the field for them. So not too worried about that. Um, 
but you have to figure it out. You have the Seahawks, you have the Cardinals, and you just can't put up stingers against them. For Seattle, I think they win. I think that, you know, it's going to be high scoring. I think they get it figured out on offense, mostly because of Seattle being Seattle. I just don't think that their offense, the Seahawks offense, is going to have, you know, enough success to sustain. They're going to get theirs. Make no doubt about it, and they always do. There's going to be a play where DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett score a 60-yard touchdown, and you are going to want D'Amico Ryan's fired. Just know good players make plays. That's It's the NFL, and that happens. I'm going to go 28-27. It's going to be another heart attack game because this is the 49ers, and they would never, ever play a game that is just easy to get through. So I think they win by one point. I think it's going to be close. It's going to be a nail-biter, and the 49ers come out ahead, and they finally win at home which is so ridiculous to say. What do you got? Oh, man, I, th- I thought you started out by saying that Seattle was going to win the game and then your score prediction went the other way. But uh, I actually think Seattle wins this game. Yeah. I, I don't think Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll lose three straight. I, I just don't see it. I know their defense hasn't been playing well. Their offense has been weirdly up and down under Shane Waldron. They have these like quarters or stretches where they look unstoppable and then they go like dormant for like quarters as well. Kind of like the 49ers, except they've just played like better competition. So now they're one and two. Um, and I just can't see them dropping three straight, falling to one and three. I know this is a huge game for the 49ers. I know they're at home. Uh, it's their first 1 p.m. game this season at home. Um, but I just think Russell Wilson and this offense presents just a little too much uh, for this defense. And I think they win 31 uh, 28. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. Uh, not a lot of defense going to be played, and I just I just think Seattle's going to be uh, out on top, and that'll make for an even more interesting week uh, the, the following week because if you thought this week was bad and the sky was falling, imagine if they're 2-2 two and two, and then they get an Arizona team coming in, or I think they have, they had Arizona. but So a lot would be on the line for that game, but I yeah, I just think that's what happens. I'm not sure jimmy garoppolo is going to beat russell wilson in a shootout akash hates the 49ers you heard it here (laughs) first all right that'll do it for us so please rate subscribe review leave us five stars wherever it is you get your podcast check us out on niners nation podcast network we have a show every day for you please listen to us um i have been breaking down the 49ers games on youtube go to my youtube page kyle posey and just type that in and it'll pop up. Akash, if you have anything to plug, feel free. Do not follow me on Twitter because I do not tweet. (laughs) Oh man, like he said, rate, subscribe, review to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We appreciate everyone that's been listening. Uh, And then just follow me on Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Stay locked in and go Niners.